you can turn on your television set about every night of the week and see a reality show that shows the idols that are in our nation today. Shows like Biggest Loser, America's Next Top Model, Let's Make a Deal, The Apprentice, and best out of all of them, a show called American Idol. These shows may not be bad in and of themselves, but many times they show the desire of our own heart and it has nothing to do with God. As much as I even like some of these shows, I mean, seriously, a show called American Idol. Enough said, right? The issue of idols is an issue that we have seen from the very beginning. The, 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 the issue of idols started with Adam and Eve. When they were at the garden, they had the idol of wanting what God had. And then it goes on throughout the entire Old Testament with the nation of Israel as they are constantly seeking, out, seeking after false gods and wanting those false gods from different nations. Even as we move into uh, the Gospels, we see Jesus constantly dealing with this issue of idols. He's, we see it as he deals with the Pharisees. What were the idols that the Pharisees had? Their rules, their regulations, and pure just trying to be religious. And even with the Apostle Paul and in the epistles, the issue of idols and dealing with them is a theme throughout most of his books. So I want to take this morning and take a look at the problem that we have in our own lives and examine our lives to see what idols exist in us. I have titled this message, American Idols. Scripture and culture collide because that's actually what happens here in our life. We see what scripture says. We see what culture says and they collide and they hit one another. And which one is going to last scripture, God's word. So let's start by, by turning to Psalms 115. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn there with me. If you are without a Bible this morning and you don't have one or own one, please come and see myself or Michael Moore and we'll find you one um, at the end of the service. You like how I threw that on you? (laughs) Psalms 115. Starting with the first eight verses here. This is where the first song that we sang originated from. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for, this, for, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. The first point this morning is God is the only one who deserves our worship. He's the only one who deserves our worship. And we so often, even as Christians today, we give our worship and our attention to anything else but God. He's the only one who deserves us. So many things get our worship over God. 
One of, the, one of the misconceptions that we can have about idols is that our idols are, not, are so much more than the Old Testament or Greek mythology thing that we see. See, so many of us here today, what we think is, we think of an idol as, as some gold like statue that sits in someone's room. Or we think of an idol as some Greek mythology thing. An idol is so much more than that. And and some of you are dealing with your idols even right now. Idols are nothing more than an expression of what we truly want and what we truly desire. David Powelson, who is an author and also, um, he's very big in the biblical counseling um, world. He wrote a book called Seeing with New Eyes. And in that book, he has x-ray questions, which is one one of his chapters. He has 35 questions, which you can grab a copy of this at the, uh, at the front desk if you want one. He has 35 questions on trying to examine your life to see what are the idols in your life. And these are some of the questions he asked for us to think about this morning. What do you love? What do you hate? What's the first thing you think of when you think of something you love or something you hate? What do you seek, aim for, or pursue What are your goals and expectations? What do you feel like doing? And I like this one. What makes you tick? Or is there something that if you had it in your life, that you would feel like your life finally had meaning? Because so many of us in our everyday life, we would say, hey, if I had this, I finally would have meaning. If I had this, this much amount of money, or if I had this car, or if I had this house, or if these people liked me, or if my marriage was like this, or if I had that, I would have meaning. Well, get this church. If you have God, you have meaning. He is your meaning. He is your purpose. It says not to us, not to us, oh God, but to your name give glory. When we act like we need this to have meaning, that's idolatry. That is, that is your idol. Ken Sandy, the author and uh, the author of the book Peacemaker, and he's also the president and founder of Peacemaker Ministries, an organization I think every single one of us should, should look into He defines an idol as this. An idol is not simply a statue of wood, stone, or metal. It is anything we love, pursue, or put in the place of God. Anything we love, pursue, or put in the place of God. All of us are guilty. Every single one of us are guilty. Some of these things can be sports, hunting, looks, money, or maybe even just the way we do church. When we put those things in front of our God or in the place of our God, that is an idol. It can be okay and good to enjoy these things, to enjoy sports, But our first love and our attention must be directed to the God of this universe. He must have our attention. 
He must be our first love. We cannot be, as our students learned about two weeks ago on Wednesday night, we cannot be like the church of Ephesus, where we stand on truth and we're good at standing on truth, but we have lost our first love. We can't be like that because when we lose love for God, guess what? It will show in every single aspect of our life. It will show in every single part of who we are. There is only one thing worth giving glory to and honor to. The creator of the universe. Again, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Why do we give his name glory? Verse 3, because of his steadfast love. Because our God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. He has a steadfast love for us. Because of, as verse 1 says, the, our, our, his faithfulness. He has a steadfast love. He's faithful and he does what he pleases. That's enough for him to get our attention. That's enough for him to get our glory. See, the statues of idols for most of us are not on our walls like we see in Athens in Acts 17. Our idols, our statues are not the things on our walls. But rather, most of our idols today are probably in here. What do I mean by that? A lot of our idols are our family. Joe, are you, are you talking against family principles, family values? No, I'm not. I'm talking against putting your family before God. If you want a healthy biblical family, you must put God before them. There is no option. Idols will keep you. And if this is your family, if that's your idol, they will do the same thing. Idols will keep you from genuine worship of the one who deserves it. Focus on the idols of your heart this morning. Focus on what God is saying. Please get rid of this or please destroy this idol or please put me first. Focus on your own idols. I'll try to give you some examples this morning. And this is going to step on some toes. That's okay. Parents, when your hope rides on your 10-year-old girl winning a softball championship, God is not receiving glory. Not that you shouldn't care if she wins, but when you put her well-being on her winning a softball game, God is not getting glory. Or you might be outraged when your son gets cut from the middle school basketball team, but you could care less about that coworker who is sitting there and dying and going to hell. God is not getting glory out of that. Not that your son playing middle school basketball is a negative thing, but it's all about perspective. This is not life and death. What they are dealing with, that coworker, is life and death. And parents, some of you are so consumed with your children that they're in their activities that their life is your life and your life is their life. And it's not Christ. It's all about perspective. Or maybe... Your heart is more concerned about a style or type of service rather than your heart being after the heart of God. 
styles of service are, are not nearly as, impor- as important as what God wants from us. How many of us walked into this worship service today and said, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from this church? What do you want from us as a congregation? Or, or, or how many walked in and said, I hope that music is not too loud this morning. I hope that music isn't too soft. I, I'm, I'm glad that the drummer is in a cage, but please don't turn his mic too loud. I mean, I mean, seriously, we laugh at this, but this is not the way we react. We better not have more than three guitars. Do we truly have a desire for the heart of God or do we have a desire for our own style of worship? Or maybe you cry when your favorite sports team loses in the playoffs. but your emotions could care less over that neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. Not to us, not to me, not to you, not to us, but to your name, give glory. I laugh at that comment about sports because it's so ever true. Now, I'm an IU basketball fan, okay? There's only two games every year that I want IU to win. Now, if you're from Indiana or if you know of anything about Indiana, we want to beat Purdue and we want to beat UK. If we went two and 22 throughout the entire season, that would be a successful season. I remember several years ago, and most of you wouldn't know this because you're, you're not IU fans and you're not UK fans, but I'm going to still use this illustration because this is what I know. A couple, uh, about probably eight years ago, IU was playing UK. IU was down by one point. I can remember this like it was yesterday. IU was down by one point with like 30 seconds left. And they have a fast break. And a guy by the name of Bracey Wright for IU who played one season in the NBA and then got cut or something. I don't know. He, he might be playing somewhere, maybe, maybe in Colonial Heights for all I know now. Uh, but but he, he had a fast break and, so, and he went up to do a layup. Layup is the easiest shot known to mankind. And someone from Kentucky grabbed his face, literally grabbed his face and threw him to the ground. There was no foul called. The coach for IU, and this was not Bobby Knight either. I know this is going to surprise you. The coach for IU runs onto the court in the middle of play and starts screaming, Mike Davis, starts screaming at the referee, starts screaming at him, gets two technicals, game's over. I get a call from my, one of my students that night. And he's, he's ragging me and ragging me and ragging me. And I was so upset. I, 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 confession time. I was so... <laughs> I was so upset, I hung up with one of my students. I was so worked up. I was like, I'll cheated. Bye. Isn't it funny how worked up we get about sports? I'm not like that anymore. You know why? Because I use no good. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I also remember a couple years ago, and this, is, this, this was not that long ago. I remember a couple years ago, uh, the Dallas Cowboys were playing in the playoffs. 
They were playing the Seattle Seahawks. And they were down by, I think, um, they, they were down by like four or five points with like a minute and a half left. And Tony Romo takes them on this awesome drive. I'm like, yes, we're going to win this game. It's awesome. All we got to do is kick a field goal or something. Yeah, we're down by two. All we have to do is kick a field goal. We're on the like five-yard line. We can kick a field goal. Five seconds left. They snap the ball. It goes through Tony Romo's hand as he tries to place it down. He grabs it, picks it up. Game's over. I kid you not. That was a Saturday night. I remember. I lost sleep that night because they lost. It was like a tragedy in my life. I say this to tell you this. These things can become We can become so engulfed in these things that they are idols in our life. When we are losing sleep over a stinking guy losing a football. But we don't care about our family members who don't know Christ. I mean, seriously. Now, Redskin fans, I know you guys haven't made the playoffs, so you don't know anything about that. I pray, I pray that we would not let these things be the center of our hearts and our lives. They can be okay, but when they were first and most important, that's when they become bad. God, here's the thing, God can receive glory in the midst of competitive sports. I believe that. God can receive glory. I mean, I think if you look at, for example, Tony Dungy. A football coach, successful football coach, I believe God has received much glory from him being involved in competitive sports. So when anyone worships anything other than God, such as an idol or physical looks or sports, or you fill in the blank, God is offended. God is offended. What does Exodus 34, 14 says? For you shall worship no what? Other gods. For our God is a jealous God. He's jealous of the glory and the attention you give to others. Or Jeremiah chapter 3 says this in verses 19 and 20. Now, be reminded that at this point, Israel has been unfaithful to God. And he's calling them to repentance. And he says this, I said, how I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful of all nations. And I thought you could call me my father and would not turn from, the, from following me. Surely, listen to this, surely as a treacherous wife leaves her husband, so have you been treacherous to me, O house, declare, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. You are like Someone who cheats on his wife. The Bible, the word of God, is very strong in the words that it says about idols. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 15 and following says this, But you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your your whorings. Your beauty became his. You took some of your garments and made for yourself 
colorful shrines and on them played the whore. Uh, the, the like has never been nor ever shall be. Listen to this. You also took the beauty, beauty, beautiful jewels of my gold and my silver, which I've given you and made for yourself images of men and with them played the whore. And you took your uh, garments to cover them and set my oil and my incense before them. This is not beautiful language which God gives us here. He is calling us adulterers with the way that we treat him. Or, I know this is strong language in Ezekiel chapter 16. He's calling us whores. That should bother you. It bothers me. And even if you move back a couple chapters in Ezekiel chapter 14... As God is condemning those who are seeking after other gods and other idols. It is said, therefore, say to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols. And turn away your faces from all the abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or the strangers who sojourn to Israel. Who separates himself from me taking his idols into heart. And putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face. And yet comes to the prophet and consults him. I, the Lord, will answer him myself. He's saying, turn or there will be an answer. See, this is an issue throughout the entire Bible. And it's an issue today. And the thing is, those who make these things our idols, us who make these things our idols, become like those idols. Listen to what it says in Psalms 115, starting with verse 4. We become like those idols. Those idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. So we become like our idols, which according to Psalms 115 is what? Useless. Worthless. We can't do anything. You have a mouth, you have a tongue, but you cannot speak. You have ears, but you cannot hear. You have hands, but cannot feel. Meaning, you might have this, but you have no use for it. Your idols are useless and they're ultimately killing you. They're kill- My idols are killing me. And you will become like them. Verses 9 through 11. O Israel... Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Point number two, we must run from our idols and to the Lord. We must run from our idols and to the Lord. Sporting, hunting, church preferences are not inherently bad things. But if they become a God in your life, we must turn from them. We must. When this is all we are about, then they become our God. When you're so consumed in basketball or baseball or football, 
That becomes your God. Idols are nothing more than an expression of what you truly want or what you truly desire. Think of it this way. Maybe during the winter we have time for hunting, but we don't have time for God's people or his church or even your own family. That's an idol. I've had people in churches in the past who would say, but honey is my release. It's my way to get away from the world and release. Well, if hunting is your release, that's your God. God needs to be your release, not honey. Or maybe during the football season, we don't have time for anything else but washing redskins. Well, the Washington Redskins is evil in and of itself. Grant, can I get an amen? (laughs) But when when that's all we're consumed with, we have to leave Sunday school early so that we can go and eat lunch and get back before the one o'clock game. That's an idol in our life. Or maybe during the summer, please listen to this, parents. Maybe during the summer, we don't have time except for our own kids traveling sports. That's all we're consumed with. I love what Blake Chilton told our students during Disciple Now weekend. The Saturday night of Disciple Now, he told them, hey, you know what? Y'all will pay five, six hundred bucks for a week of camp learning to play baseball or football or volleyball or softball. And then you'll come into church and complain about the $300 mission trip that you have to go on. And parents, we have engraven this into the hearts and the minds of our students. They learned it somewhere. And here's the thing. When you are so consumed, now I'm not saying that these things are bad, but when you're so consumed about traveling sports and doing this and doing that, and, and you, you totally forget about God, that is an idol. Or maybe when you're in a business meeting and you're more concerned about the bylaws of our church rather than the Bible, that God has given us. Maybe that's your idol. And you know what? You're not fooling anyone. I'm in the business meetings. And I would be the first one to say, we need to change our bylaws. We need to change our constitution so that we can follow them. I would be the first one to say that. But when we are more concerned about following our bylaws than following the word of God, that is an idol. That is sin. And I pray that we as a church would repent of that. Because verse 9 tells us to turn to the Lord to help destroy our idols. Verse 10, the Lord is our helper and our shield from idols and everything else. Verse 11 says to both fear and trust in the Lord. So he will put all this to death. If you want the solution to get rid of your idols, it's found right here. Fear and trust in the Lord. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and he is their shield. He is the one that protects us. He is the one that guides us and he is the one who directs us. We probably all, to some extent, have idols that we need to recognize this morning. But believers, we cannot be caught up in idolatry. We can't. We probably all have idols, but we can't get caught up in idolatry. Idolatry meaning this. I can do nothing without this idol. 
but I can do without God. David Paulson, in his book, Seeing with New Eyes, a great, great book to help you walk with other believers through counseling situations, says this, in our idolatry, we make gifts out to be supreme goods and, and, and make the giver into the errand boy of our desires. We make gifts what we get to be the good and the giver who is God out to be the one to, hey, go and, go and help me with this. Go and do this. Go and do that. The errand boy of our desires. There might be some of us who are totally wrapped up in idolatry and feel like we can't walk away. You can. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter if it's drugs, alcohol, sports, children. Parents, the best way to love your children, first, love God. Second, if you're married, love your spouse. If you do those two things, you will love your children. If we have these idols, we must, we must walk away from them. And there's a God out there who wants us to. There are others who might be having areas in their life where the Holy Spirit is trying to walk you past your sin, where the Holy Spirit is trying to deal with your sin, but you're like, I just, I can't. I desire this too much. I promise you, when you find that desire for God, there is nothing like it. There is no greater desire or satisfaction than the desire that you can have for God. Turn away from your sin. Trust and fear the Lord and allow Him to deal with those sins and deal with those idols. Verses 12 through 18. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel and He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Thirdly, considering the idols we have, our prosperity is God, and that is all that we ultimately need. Our prosperity is God, and that's all we ultimately need. Now, some of the students are sitting in here this morning, they're thinking, not again, Joe. We've heard this over and over and over. And they're going to continue to hear it over and over and over. Because here's the thing. That prosperity gospel that is preached is garbage. God doesn't tell us anywhere in the Bible where it says, if you do this, I'm going to give you a car. Or I'm going to give you money. 
Or I'm going to give you a house. And far too many pastors and preachers try to preach that garbage, that junk. But this is what God says. This is what the psalmist says. You want to know what the prosperity gospel is? If you have God, you have prosperity. Because that's all you need. You don't need anything else. He is your ultimate need. It doesn't matter if I live in, a, in the basement of the Pezels. It doesn't matter. I still have God. It doesn't matter if I live in a, in a cardboard box, go to Guatemala, go to Mexico, go to uh, India, go to these places and find Christians. And guess what they will say? God's all I need. I don't need a nice house. I don't need a good car. Some of them, doesn't even, they don't even know what a car is. He is our prosperity and he is our need. But so get this, if a ball is taken away from us or a shotgun can't be found or the bylaws of the church no longer exist, we still have God and he is still all we need. We don't need any more of that because the Lord controls everything. We must put our faith in him. The heavens are the Lord's heavens. He is in control. And let me also point this out too in verse 14. It says, may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. If you have children, I mean, God's blessed you. That's a blessing. That is prosperity that God has given you. So as you consider the idols that you have in your life, it is my prayer that you will lose those idols and you will become closer to God. Isn't that what we want to get today as a church? Isn't that what we want to do together as a church? Get rid of things that don't matter and start focusing on the things that do matter. I love how Dr. Aiken puts it. And I think I mentioned this in my last sermon. Jesus plus everything equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's all we need. Let's, let's throw away anything that doesn't matter to God. So non-believer, it is, it is my prayer that you would also lose your idols. And you will see that although you may lose something that you think is important, like an idol, that you can gain a Savior who deserves your glory, who deserves your honor. Go back to verse 8. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. People of God, our idols, we become like. There's a God out there who cares how we live and how we worship. And if we're living in such a way that is worshiping something else other than God, we need to turn back to Psalms 15 and say, not to us. Because he wants your life. He doesn't just want a portion of your life. He doesn't just want your life on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. He doesn't just want a percentage of your life. He doesn't just want a percentage of your banking account. He wants your entire life. He wants everything. May we today offer him everything.
Many of us, if not all of us, I believe this morning need to repent. God's people and those who are not. Because we have been seeking out after things that are meaningless in eternity. And we need to seek out after God above anything else. I pray that you would ask the creator of the universe, the one who put this into existence, to forgive you and teach you how to follow his will and his ways. He is worthy of our worship.